Thank you for being here tonight. I always feel compelled to, to say thank you to those who show an interest in continuing to, to learn and to grow. And hopefully I can give you something tonight that will challenge you at least to think. My purpose on Sunday nights is not to introduce you to new scripture because most of you know the things that I'm going to be talking about or know, know the scriptures I'm going to be talking about. My purpose on Sunday nights is to help us figure out a way to do what we know. And I'm going to say that in a lot of different ways over the next few weeks, but my purpose is to help us put into practice those things that we know from the scriptures. My problem, at least, is not that I don't know enough because I feel like I have a reasonably good knowledge of the scriptures. My problem is actually doing everything that I know. And that's a bigger challenge, at least for me, and I suspect it is for you too. So I'm going to start tonight by looking at three scriptures that are, I think, very familiar to you already, but I want to come at them from a little bit different perspective and then ask the question, okay, what do we do with this? How do I put this into practice? So turn with me to John, the 21st chapter, to start with. And I don't want you necessarily to go back in time and think in terms of this scripture, in terms of the context, as much as put it in the context of now. In John, the 21st chapter, the Christ has already risen from the grave. He's already appeared to the, to the disciples several different times. And this particular time, they are fishing, several of them are fishing, and they recognize that Jesus is on the shore. They go to the shore, and he already has breakfast cooked for them, for fish for breakfast. We don't usually do that around here, but fish for breakfast. He has it prepared for them. And I want to pick up in verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now forget about, forget about Peter. You know a lot more, and I know a lot more about Jesus than Peter did. Peter walked with him, yes, but he didn't understand a lot of the things that we understand because of the Holy Spirit, because Peter told us about them, and Paul told us about them. You and I understand more than Peter did until the Holy Spirit came. And he didn't have the Holy Spirit yet at this point. My question tonight is, do you love him more than these? Do I love him more than I love you? Do you love him more than you love me? That may be easy to answer. Do I love him more than anything else? 
forget about Peter. Peter demonstrated in his life, yes, that he loved Christ, particularly with the gift of the Holy Spirit. But my question is, do you love God more than anything else? Because remember, and let's go to the next scripture, remember what Jesus said in Matthew 22. Turn now back to Matthew 22, and I'm just going to refresh your memory. Again, you know this. <coughs> Begin verse 34. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second's like it, love your neighbors yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. They knew from Deuteronomy, the sixth chapter, when, Jesus, when Moses stood on Mount Nebo and spoke to the people and reminded them before they went into the land of what God had done, reminded them, and we, we look at the fourth verse on down through that, teach them to your children as you walk along, as you put them on your doorpost, put them on your, all of those things we understand. What is it they were supposed to understand? From the very beginning, God's people knew that God said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart, soul, and strength. The one commandment that precedes and, and, and tops all other commandments is that I love God with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Everything that he said in the rules that he puts in the Bible, everything that he puts in the stories in the Bible, all point to one thing, that God wants me more than anything else to love him with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. That if I don't do that, then I miss the whole point of the Bible. Now, intellectually, we understand that. My premise tonight is that everything we are and everything we do needs to be weighed against that command. Does what I believe, does what I do, does what I do, I'm not sure that's good English, Kathy, you can tell me later. Is what I do, is what I say, is what I think, how does it fit with Loving God with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. How do I measure up against that command, which is the greatest command, the first command? I don't believe it's a natural response to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. If it was, the whole world would do that. Much of the world would do that. I don't think it's something that comes naturally. It takes effort on our part. Let me put that in prescriptive. 
perspective. There we go. The scribes and the Pharisees prided themselves, and I'm having trouble with my earpiece tonight. I may have to put a hole there. The, the scribes and the Pharisees prided themselves in knowing every bit of the law. Knowing all of the prophets. They knew everything that, that God had written in the Old Testament. They knew it backwards and forwards. They understood it. They understood what he said. They knew the content of it. They prided themselves on teaching other people. And yet Jesus' words to them was, You tithe, mint, and dill, and cumin. You do all of these things. You honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. So it's not just enough to know what he says. It's not just enough to understand what is in the Bible. It's not enough just to, to comprehend. There's something else that has to be there. Some choose, even after knowing all of those things, not to love God. To love themselves more than God. My question tonight is, do I love him more than all these other things? So how do we do that? How do we learn to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength? I'm going to offer a suggestion tonight, and you can take it and play with it and mull over it and think about it. But I'm going to start with a love story. The love story started in 1964. I enrolled at Lubbock Christian University, Lubbock Christian College at the time, two-year school. And there was another young lady that enrolled about the same time. Her name was Carolyn Cowan at the time. She was my cousin's roommate. I'm telling you how I knew her, okay? She was my cousin's roommate. We worked in the cafeteria together for some period of time, an undetermined period of time as far as I can remember. She was one of seven or eight people that we ran around together and did things together, even went and played in the cemetery together, and that's another story, okay? She tells me she tells me that she rode from Lubbock, Texas, to Carlsbad, New Mexico, in the front seat beside me. That was before bucket seats, okay? This was a bench seat. There was somebody at the door, door side and me. She rode beside me. I do not even remember that. I transported her cedar chest in the back of my 49 Oldsmobile from Carlsbad to Searcy when we both transferred to Harding. I remember that, but I didn't love her yet. I didn't even know really. Okay, I'm gonna get try one more time and then I'm just gonna grab this, okay? I really didn't know her very well and didn't really care to know her very well because I was engaged to somebody else back home that I thought I was in love with at that time. Okay, the years kind of went on, and then one time, for some reason I still don't understand exactly, 
1967, three years later, I decided, well, I may need to get to know her a little bit better than I do. So Carolyn and I began to date. We took this interest in each other. We learned about each other's likes and dislikes. We spent time with each other. We were a lot of different situations together. We spent uh, quite a bit of time together when our schedules would allow it. We became serious. We became engaged. I told her I loved her. She told her, told me that she loved me. Now, 49 years almost later, we finally are beginning to understand what love is all about. She's, he, okay, what am I supposed to do with this? Fix me. Okay. That's it. Thank you. <laughs> you see, this story is about I need more help than than most people can give me, okay? Thank you, Scott. We didn't just fall in love. Over a long period of time of being together and learning about each other, we grew to love each other. We grew to understand some things that I think we can learn the same thing about God. My walk with God started when I was a little bitty thing. But it was my parents' God. I went to church. I learned stories about the Bible almost every night in Bible class, at home. I was in church with other people to worship. I saw a great source of love from my friends. I adopted some of the same doctrine, some of the same worship patterns, some of the same code of conduct. I knew how to behave. I knew what to do in church, that I didn't talk in church. I didn't chew gum in church. I did occasionally catch a fly in the songbook, but that's another story. I learned those things because I associated, but I didn't love God yet. I didn't know God yet. I was beginning to know him, but then at some point in my life, I began to pay a little bit more attention to him, not just church, not just my friends, not just mom and dad, not just my brothers and sisters. I began to spend time with him. I went through situations with him where he blessed me. I went through situations with him where I struggled. And I'm still not perfect in my love for God, but I love him a lot more now than I did when I was young because I spent time with him. So how do I learn to love God? Let me suggest at least four ways that you learn to love God with all of your heart. You spend a lot of times reading the stories about God in the Old Testament. Do you realize that every story in the Old Testament it's not about Daniel and Ezekiel or Abraham or Isaac or Jacob or Esther or Ruth. It's a story about God and how he interacted with those people so that we would love him. Remember what Moses said? Tell these stories, give these commands, give these things to your children 
so that they'll love me with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength. If I don't go back and learn of the stories of God in the Old Testament and also in the life of Jesus, I don't believe that I could ever learn to love God. But when you see how God dealt with Job, if you see how God dealt with David, if you see how God dealt with all of these other people, then you can learn to love God. I'll never forget when Shalmay's parents came from China. They had, no, they had no picture of our God at all. They had no understanding of the Bible. They asked me to teach them about this book, as he called it. I don't speak Chinese, and they didn't speak English, so we had to go through an interpreter. But the one thing that fascinated them was to hear the stories of this God that we worship that they had never heard before. Your children will learn to love God by telling them the stories of God over and over and over again. And as you grow up, you'll understand those stories in a little bit different way, and that'll help you love God. So if you haven't been in the Old Testament for a while, go back and read those stories. Not to find out what happened, but find out who God is in those stories. To find out his character, find out his nature, find out what he wanted for his people. Jesus is another picture of God. Hebrews, the fourth chapter, the first chapter, the first four verses, among those things says that God revealed himself to us now in his Son, who is the exact manifestation of God. He is a reflection of the glory of God. Everything that Jesus did was a picture of God. Go back and read the Gospels over and over and over and over again, and you begin to love the God that it shows. The third thing I would suggest is look around you. I, I am fascinated by the people that can live in the world that we live in, the physical world that we live in, and see a morning like this morning, or see the flowers bloom, or the grass grow, or the birds do, and then proclaim there's no God. Do you realize that the scriptures say that all of this was made for you and me? Josh pointed that out this morning. He put those things here for us to rule over for our enjoyment, for our pleasure, for our benefit. Next time you have a meal, think about what God did for you. Next time you drink pure water, think about what God did for you. Next time you take a breath, I was visiting with Jack Sandlin in the hospital. I assume he's still in. I haven't had an update. And he said last Wednesday, not only was his chest hurting, but he said every time my chest hurt, I couldn't breathe. Do you realize how precious a gift it is that, that God created your nose and your mouth, that whenever you breathe, you take oxygen in and all? Think about those things. And then the final, the fourth thing, to fall in love with God. Listen to the stories of people and how God's worked in their lives. I know we don't like 
testimonies sometimes and witnessing and sometimes, but listen to what God has done in the lives of those people that he's worked in, that have gone through difficult times, have gone through good times, and how they say God has blessed them. What you ultimately come up with and what Carolyn and I ultimately came up with that caused us to love each other is that we realized, she realized, or I realized at least, that she had my best interest at heart all the time. She wanted to bless me all the time. And I wanted to bless her all the time. And that's what love's all about. When you realize through the stories of God and the stories of his, of his life, and you look around at the world and you realize that the God of this universe wants more than anything else to bless you in every way that you allow him to do that, then you begin to fall in love with him. I shared this with my Wednesday night class, but the other day in our, our staff devotional, staff meeting that we have every Tuesday, we were and I'm not sure I can get through this without breaking down, but uh, we were talking about Luke, the, the 14th chapter, where Jesus said, unless you count the cost, you can't be my disciple. Unless, he said, nobody goes out to fight a war without, first of all, deciding whether my army's a, a good enough to win this war, otherwise you lose the war. Nobody starts to build a house without first assessing, can I do this, becomes and I'm paraphrasing, you become the laughing stock that rolls around you if you build. I've experienced that because I lived in Louisiana for a while, and I don't know how many of you know about the Sunshine Bridge that one of the governors built across the Mississippi River that there are no roads to. Literally, there are no roads to. You can't drive up to that bridge. Well, he became the laughingstock of Louisiana and the world that knew about it. In our thinking about that is, I wonder, and please consider this, before this world was ever made, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and I don't know whether they were sitting around or how they did this, but there had to be a decision made by the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that God would send his precious Son to die for the world that he created. Can you imagine? That kind of love. And how could you, if you do knew that, and if you contemplate, how could you not begin to love that God to realize what he's done for you? He wanted your best interests. The second part of love, not only is my best interest, but I trust Carolyn completely with my life. And I hope she trusts me completely. And so I can learn to trust God. And God will never try to harm me. He'll never let me down. It may not be what I want. It may not be what I think I want. 
But we have a God that if you look at the stories, if you look at the things that he did, he never has broken a promise to his people. Wouldn't you love to have a friend that had never ever even begun to broke a promise? Had never ever even begun to let you down on something that they promised would happen? That's your God. That's our God. Not one time in all of the history of the world has he ever broken a promise, ever given us any reason not to trust him completely. So it's no longer about church. It's no longer about what I believe. All those things are important. But it's no longer just about what I do. It's no longer just about the people at church. All of those things are part of what bring me to God. But the lifelong experience of learning about God and walking with God and learning the stories about God and seeing Him working in the lives makes me more and more and more love Him with all of my heart. And so and mind and strength. It's no longer something that I just go through. It's something that has become a part of me. Not to the extent I want yet. Not to the extent I'm trying for. But the more time I spend with God, the more time I spend with His stories, the more time I spend in His world and receive the blessings of God and the promises of God, I want to love Him more and more. So it's not just a command. It's not just a great commandment. It's the greatest principle of life. To learn to love God with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And when I do that, bless your heart, it's very easy for me to learn to love you. And it's easier for you to learn to love me. Because you become like God, and I become like God. And he loves his people. And we learn to love each people. And so the commands of God become, as Jesus says, not a yoke that's heavy to carry. It's a burden that's light. Because we love God, and we want to, just like God, I begin to want the very best for you in every situation. And you want the best for me. And that's the definition of love. Let's pray. Father, once again, we say, teach us. Help us learn. We're slow sometimes. We're hard-headed sometimes. We don't understand sometimes. We get where we lose our focus sometimes. But help us, Father, to more and more learn to turn to you and learn about you and understand more about you so that we can love you more, so that we can please you more, so that we can return the love that you had for us, that love that says, I, won't desire, I want nothing but good for you. We can return that love to you and say, God, I want nothing but your glory. I want nothing but your praise. 
I want nothing more than to walk with you and please you in all that I do to your glory. Bless us to that end, Father, and when we fall, pick us up. When we sin, forgive us through the blood of your Son. But give us your Spirit to, to indwell us and work in us to help us to become and help us to do the things you want us to do to your glory. It's in Jesus that I pray. Amen. If we can help you in any way tonight, we're going to sing a song to encourage you. Just make your way to the front or to one of the shepherds in the back. We'll be glad to, to serve you in any way that we can. Let's stand and sing.